Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com. Pick the giving option that works best for you and help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. So my husband and I didn't come into parenting the normal way, the one kid at a time way, the nine months to prepare a nursery with a beautiful theme coordinated to your child's gender. We uh, didn't have a year to gaze lovingly upon this tiny little infant baby that couldn't talk back. Um, We became parents of toddlers with one hour's notice. Four of them. Um, And as foster parents, the caseworker dropped him off and she said she would be back in a month to check on them. And nobody fully warned us that toddlers were so crazy. That, that toddlers know how to unionize. That they know how to like come together and discuss the finer points of throwing a coup. And overflowing the household government. Nobody told us those kinds of things. Nobody fully warned us that when a toddler asked for a snack of crackers, in the 47 seconds it takes you to go into the kitchen and bring back the crackers that they will inevitably have changed their minds. And that these crackers you offer now are not merely the wrong snack, they are an affront to their humanity. And because of your evil actions, your toddler will now be required to throw themselves upon the ground in violent protest. And I didn't know that if you asked the toddler on the ground throwing the violent protest what was the matter and why they didn't want the crackers, they would be further insulted. That you should have somehow known and, and read their mind and known exactly they needed fruit snacks instead of crackers with juice. But not juice in the cup you're picturing. Whatever cup you're picturing, that's wrong. They would have wanted the other cup. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that if given the option that toddlers could live on fruit snacks and chicken nuggets and grilled cheese sandwiches for their entire life. I learned very quickly that the art to making a proper grilled cheese sandwich for a toddler was to get bread, white bread, the least healthy bread available on the planet, that this bread should be refined, that it should be soft, that it should have absolutely no whole grains under any circumstance. And then I should select cheese, processed cheese in individual plastic wrappers, Cheese that's not actually food, so it doesn't need to be refrigerated. And then I should smear butter on both sides and throw it in the pan really quick. And I learned that while it was cooking, that I should ask my toddler if he wanted a plate. Never assume they want a plate. Then you would wait for their instructions as to whether or not this time you should cut off the crust and what specific shape of sandwich best fit your child's mood. Was it triangles, small triangles, squares, rectangles? There was all kinds of options and you should just stand there while they let you know with screams. Now, I didn't know this because on Pinterest, I saw parents and, and they, were, they were 
dressing their children and coordinating outfits on a work day. And they were doing crafts with children with paint and coordinating outfits with their fingerprints that somehow became beautiful ladybugs. And then they would serve these hand-carved meals, hand-carved octopus made of a hot dog to their children, and their children would laugh with glee. And so I thought that maybe parenting looked like that. I remember, I remember the first time I took our, our four toddlers to Walmart. They had, they had been with us precisely 12 hours. They didn't come with proper winter clothing for the month of December. And so the next morning, my husband had to leave for work. And I thought, they need clothing to fit the season. And so I loaded them up without incident in my vehicle. And we started traveling to Walmart. And on our way, my friend Kim called. And she said, you know, checking in, like, how you doing? How'd your first overnight go? Where are you guys at? And I said, oh, we're just on our way to Walmart. And she panicked. She said, what are you doing? Do you have snacks? Do you have a change of clothes for every child? Do you have toys? Do you have backup? I'm on my way. When you get there, do not get out of your car. And I thought, why? What could possibly be the big deal? So I went inside. That's the day I lost a piece of my soul. It's, it's as if that there's like some soundtrack being played on the Walmart sound system that only children can hear that causes them to lose their adorable, sweet, ever-loving minds upon walking in to the store. By the time my friend arrived, I was about 10 minutes in to this chaotic adventure. Someone, not even sure who, had wet the floor. I had shoplifted goldfish and was feeding them goldfish. Also goldfish were so, kind of floating along in the aforementioned puddle. And I just had my head down on the edge of the cart and I was just trying not to weep. And, and Kim finally came and I was like, thank God, reinforcements have arrived. So anyways, Lavelle and I were foster parents and we did this for about five years. We were so blessed to build our family in this way. And we had so many great times as these toddlers grew up in our home. And they couldn't have been any more ours if we had given birth to them ourselves. And about a year and a half ago, we went through a great loss as a family where a child that we had been raising as our own for nearly four years had to move to another family. And we knew this decision was in the best interest of the child. We knew that it was best for all the children in the home. But it didn't change the fact that it was absolutely heart-wrenching in every way. And a few days after our daughter moved out, I was just grieving deeply. I didn't see a way out of my profound sense of loss. And I fixated on the fact that we had one pink bedroom and three sons, two of whom were sharing a room at the time. And I didn't know what to do with my grief and my confusion and my hurt and my loss. So I focused on something that I could just control. I got ready to paint the bedroom. Now, Lavelle's a general contractor, and so obviously he's going to be an experienced and much better painter, and I am not good at painting. Um, I don't pay attention to details, and I'm impatient, and 
Me painting is basically like asking for a, a giant disaster, but there was something in the painting of the room that I had to do. And I, I felt like I wanted to do it, like I needed to do it, and that it needed to happen immediately. So Lavelle gathered the paintbrushes and the paint, the drop cloths and the masking tape, and I locked myself in her bedroom and sort of began the painting. I cranked up some worship music on my iPhone, and I just started the project. And I remember feeling just so angry and brokenhearted and overwhelmed. And I just kind of saw no way out, no way out of this situation. Immediately, though, I also sensed the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I got a sense that this project somehow was holy or, or sacred as I went through it. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those who are crushed in spirit. And the next few months blessed me with a gift, a gift I didn't know that I even needed. And there's a closeness to God that comes only when you experience brokenness. There's a level of intimacy with God that's, that's developed between God and his children through hardship that is not obtained through rainbows and sunshine. Closeness that comes walking hand in hand with the Lord through the darkest and hardest moments of life. And Psalm 34, so true, the Lord is truly close to the brokenhearted. And maybe this morning you feel like you're in a broken place in your life. You're at a dead end in some area or another. Maybe for you, it's, it's in your marriage. Maybe in your work situation. Or maybe you're at a dead end when it comes to your finances. Maybe for you, the, the broken place is in a health diagnosis or a custody battle. Or maybe it's in your relationship with your teenagers or figuring out how you're going to pay for your college education. Maybe for you, the broken place, the dead end place is in the pain of your widowhood or the frustration of infertility or the search of who to marry and how to find them someday. So here I am. I'm rolling lime green paint over pink paint, inch by inch across this bedroom with, with tears streaming down my face and I'm pouring my heart out to God. And I'm remembering all these moments that I shared with my daughter in that room, in that home. My mind raced through braiding hair and plain dolls, picking out cute outfits. I just kept painting. And then my mind went to all the things that were never gonna happen. It's not going to be a prom dress picked out. Not hair appointments, not pedicures. Not walking down the aisle someday with a daughter. And as I processed all of that loss, rolling paint, covering pink with a boy color, the presence of God... This song came on my iPhone and my cry just turned from tears to big, fat, ugly cry, healing cry as I listened to the song. All of Israel, God's chosen people in the Old Testament were comfortable with this idea that God could make a way for them. 
where there seemed to be no way. They were comfortable with the idea historically. They were comfortable with the idea hypothetically. God's people had grown up with the stories of where there was a time in history and there was no way, but somehow God made a way. Like when their backs were up against the Red Sea and the Egyptian army was bearing down with its chariots and they were for sure that their children would be trampled. But then there was a way made by God and he opened up the Red Sea. Like when they were wandering in the desert for 40 years and they were parched and they had no food and they had no drink and their children were crying out to them for water and God rained bread from heaven and God caused a rock to like burst forth with water. God made a way. And when the city of Jericho was walled up and the people of God had no idea how to attack it, but they knew that somehow they had to conquer it for victory to come and them to inherit their promise. There was no way, but God made a way. When God's people were oppressed by evil kings and rulers taxed them into poverty, God sent prophets and God sent judges and kings by the names of Samson and Gideon and Samuel and Elijah and Jeremiah and David and Solomon and Josiah to deliver people from various oppressors. And where there was no way, God made a way. And when Abraham left home, led only by the voice of God out into no man's land, he had no idea how he was going to provide for his family. No idea where he was going to get land, even to bury his own wife. But he followed the voice of God and God made a way. And when King Xerxes of Persia introduced an order that all of the Jews, God's people, should be killed ethnic cleansing. God rose up Esther, and through Esther, God made a way. And when a single mom had only one cup of flour left during a famine with which to feed her son, God made a way. When something that was borrowed was lost, and the borrower had no idea how they were ever going to find it again or repay it, God made a way. And when Daniel was condemned to execution by lions then. Because of his commitment to prayer and it seemed there was no way he was going to survive the night in the pit of lions, God made a way. And when an evil king was threatened and he built a golden statue and he said, everyone must bow down and worship the statue. And three Hebrew men stood up and said, not me, not me. And they went against the crowd. They were sentenced to execution in a fiery furnace. For Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, God made a way. An evil man cannot stop our way-making God. When Naaman was sick before his time, and the doctors gave him no hope of healing, God made a way. And over and over again, the Bible is filled with faith-building stories of people being at the very end of themselves with no way out, but then suddenly God makes a way. There is no obstacle he cannot overcome. There is no trouble he cannot fix. There is no hurt that he cannot heal. Our God is a way-making God. But somehow... But somehow, in our mind, there's a difference. 
There's a difference between the historical accounts we read and what we think can actually happen in our own lives. It's like our minds are veiled from believing. Of course, we believe God can do it. Of course, both historically and hypothetically and certainly for others, we know. But when it comes to saying, I know that God can make a way through this problem in my own life, we falter. We think, oh, maybe he could, maybe he would, but probably not for me. Like us entering into the equation changes the dynamic of who God is. And if we're honest, a lot of us feel like the man, the father in Mark chapter 9. He has this deep need for healing for his son. He brings him to Jesus and he's not sure if Jesus can, but more likely he's not sure if Jesus will for him. And so we pick it up, Mark 9, the father says, have mercy on us and help us. And he's honest, he says, if, if you can. Jesus, what do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked, anything is possible if a person believes. In verse 24, this man steps up in great faith and he admits it. He throws off his religion and he says, wait, the father cried out instantly, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe. I do believe theoretically. I do believe hypothetically. I do believe historically that God can make a way. But maybe you're here today and if you're really honest, you'd say, I do believe Jesus that you can heal my heart, but help me, help me with my unbelief. God is capable of helping you. God is willing to help you. Believe that you personally can receive the way out of your dead situation. You see, the Bible lets us know in Hebrews 13, verse 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God who parted the Red Sea. The same God who shut up the mouths of lions. The same God that opened the eyes of the blind is able and willing to make a way in whatever situation you and I face in our lives. So my own life, repainting my daughter's bedroom, Jesus didn't, didn't just make a way. Jesus was the way. He didn't just wave some type of Jesus magic wands and sprinkle some Jesus glitter dust and suddenly the reality that it was in our best interest and her best interest to move to another family was changed. No, I still had to walk through that pain. Instead, he made a way in me. He made a way in me to have the strength and the peace to move forward, to trust. Jesus didn't just make a way. Jesus became the way. Jesus himself is the way. Jesus isn't just a way maker. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. John 14, 6 lets us know. Jesus proclaims it. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way. Yes, he can make a way, but he wants to also be the way. Jesus wants to be the way in your life before he just makes a way. 
Jesus wants to be the way before he just makes a way. You see, at any moment, Jesus can part a Red Sea. At any moment, Jesus can heal the lame or the blind or the deaf. At any moment, he can, he can break through to the prodigal at any moment. But he doesn't just want to make a way. What he wants to do is make sure that as you and I walk through that dark place, that broken place, that we recognize it's his companionship that's really what we need. And a lot of times we come to church on a Sunday morning and we're here because we need, we think we need Jesus make a way. That's only part of the story. We don't just need Jesus to make the way. We need Jesus to be the way. This whole life, everything we do, everything we have, everything we experience, every trial, every blessing, every possession, it's just a test to determine where our true loyalty lies. We serve the Lord because we love him, not just because of what he does for us. And one of the truest tests in this life is when we say, can we serve Jesus when we are blessed? and prosperous and everything is going great or do those blessings pull us away from our love of him and then the flip side can we serve Jesus when we feel broken and hurting and devastated and fearful or do those trials make us lose faith pull us away friends Jesus can and does heal cancer. But also, he gives us the strength to close our eyes in this life and open them in the next. He's the way and he's the way maker. Jesus can and does restore marriages. But he also gives us the strength to pick up and live on when that person we thought we'd grow old with walks out. Jesus can break the power of addiction just like that in an instant. But he also gives the strength to wake up every day and go to a meeting and fight to be sober. Jesus is the way maker. He makes a path through a barren desert. He raises up valleys and he causes mountains to bow down low before us. Jesus makes a way through the darkest of nights, the loneliest of days, and the deepest of desperation. Jesus makes that way. But Jesus also is the way himself. He is the way of life and the way of truth and the way of healing and the way of hope and the way of restoration and the way of peace and the way of love and the way of all that is good. Jesus makes a way, but ultimately and more importantly, Jesus is. Jesus is the way. Maybe you came to church today thinking, in my dead end situation, in my marriage heartbreak, in my financial situation in my teenager's life I need Jesus to make a way you know what not as bad as you need Jesus to reveal himself as the way in an instant Jesus can make a way through any problem any challenge any obstacle but if in the midst of that 
obstacle and challenge, we don't have a revelation that Jesus is what we've always needed, that Jesus is whom we've always wanted. If we don't have a revelation of the fact that we need Jesus in the midst of that pain, then it was pointless. Jesus doesn't want to just make a way, even though he can, until you and I grasp that he, he is the way. That pulling into Jesus, tucking into Jesus in the middle of our hurt is more important than that hurt ever being just healed or lifted or changed. He is the way. And so we're going to sing this song together. And as we do, if you're at the dead end, sing this as a declaration of needing Jesus to be not just a way maker, but the way in the depths of your heart. Run to him. The truth is, I'd rather have Jesus be my way than make my way any day. And so maybe you're here this morning and you're right in the middle of it. This is the dead end. This is the back up against the Red Sea. This is the I don't know what I'm going to do unless Jesus makes a way for me today. Friends, challenge you. Press in to Jesus. Get alone with Jesus. Listen to his heartbeat for you. Because in that place of intimacy with him, that's where you'll find both the way and the way maker. Let's pray together. God, there are many in this room that right now are at a hurting place, a broken place, and they need you. They need you to to be the way and to make the way. And God, we ask right now by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would break off the chains that bind us. God, that you would remove the the veil of deception that that keeps us from seeing that you want to, you can, and you're willing to make ways in our own lives. God, we pray for the teenager whose heart is stoned towards his or her parents, and we ask that you would soften it, that you would bring home the prodigals. God, that you would heal the disease. God, that you would lift the burden of infertility. God, that you would shatter the weight of poverty. God, that your healing touch would reach out to the sick, to the lonely, to the broken, that your presence would make a way in us and through the dark spot that we may be in in this moment. God, we trust in you, not in a way, but in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, we want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my Savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name. 
Amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.